And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. If you've been listening to the show this week, then you know that this is about to be our fourth episode in our Kansas City Inc. 5000 series. If you're not aware, Startup Hustle and my business, Full Scale, are from Kansas City. And even though we get listeners on this show worldwide, we do like to keep it friendly with our own hometown. We're going to get into another Another conversation with a great CEO with an amazing company that's been on the Inc. 5000 nine times. I mean, my company is only four and a half years old, so just trying to do what these folks are doing. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Equip Bids Auctions, and that's your Midwest online auction marketplace to buy and sell stuff. Equip Bid provides dedicated support to affiliates in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. You can join the team and sell everything from heavy machinery to home goods, vehicles, boats. Figure it out. If you have it, you can probably sell it on equip bed, restaurant stuff, kitchen equipment, even tractors or patio furniture. You can go to equipbed.me forward startup. No, that's a lot. So just scroll down to the show notes and click the link there. It's a great site. There's some cool stuff for sale on there. You can find that as well as a link to the company that we will, that's represented by today's guest, which is Marco Assis. And Marco is the CEO and partner of Propio Language Services. It's a translation and localization company. We're going to define what that is straight out of my hometown of Kansas City, more specifically Overland Park, Kansas. Marco, welcome to Startup Hustle. Glad to be here. Yeah, you, you know, I always like to start my shows with a little bit about your backstory. So let what, what problem does Propio solve for users, I'm assuming, in a lot of different places? Yeah, so Propio is a healthcare communication platform that essentially facilitates uh, communication conversations between nurses, doctors, teachers, with people with limited English proficiency. So think of a network of thousands of medically qualified interpreters around the world, bridging that communication and, and helping encounters and patient experience and education and all those sorts of things. So you mentioned before we recorded that you're Brazilian. So, so I'm assuming you speak Portuguese. Yes, and Spanish. Yes. Yes, and, and with that, so so the way, what Propia would do is say you came here and maybe your English language skills weren't where they needed to be, but you needed medical attention or or to communicate with medical care providers. So Propio creates that bridge. Yes, exactly. So most people don't don't realize the the market that we serve. So in the United States, we have over 40 million people that don't speak proficient English. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be in any setting. Mostly uh, what we service is healthcare. Uh, so think of uh, walking into a hospital and not speaking, yeah. not being proficient. And, and you have all those things that hit you in your life, right? So there's, you know, physiotherapy, there's appointments, there's children's involved. So we're very, uh, there's a mission behind everything uh, that we do, but we are very excited about what we can able to, we're able to do 
How do you deliver that service? Like what's the, what's the medium that a translator, like, I mean, how, how do we deliver the, the intended verses? Yeah. So we have uh, four modalities, uh, over the phone, video in person, and also document translator. So if it's right. a written communication. Okay. So in the world of programming, so I, I employ hundreds of developers and we often return, we, we use a, a language term called polyglot. Yes. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that something that you're looking for with people that do translations, like people that speak multiple languages or is that common? <laughs> Yes, it is. It is common, uh, but it's 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 a big difference between being bilingual or trilingual to actually become an interpreter. So, for example, most people think because of my background, I speak Portuguese, Spanish, I could be an interpreter. No, it's a skill set. It's a training. It's a it, it's it gets much more complex. However, you get uh, people with multiple languages and being able to to do interpretation. The the beauty of it is that. Uh, you know, our interpreters are from everywhere. So to service, it's not only the language, it's the culture. And, and being able to, to do that, you need to be able to, to, to work with people in different countries, continents. So 24-7, 300 languages, all those modalities. Uh, mostly uh, remote, obviously, due to COVID and, and everything, people got very familiar uh, with uh, using iPads and, and all that. So we do help uh, and provide uh, equipments and carts and iPads and uh, help facilitate that communication. But behind the technology, which is one of our core, and we'll talk more about how we, we differentiate ourselves there, but uh, we have a network of thousands of interpreters readily available to do that. And and you are just hyper-specific to communication and medical needs? Yeah, I mean, 70% of our business is in healthcare. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a nationwide presence. We're very proud, uh, likewise, to be very friendly in Kansas City. Essentially, every single health system in town uh, uses uh, Propio in one way, shape, or form. Uh, however, we have presence uh, in almost all states, uh, and uh, and that's 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 what we're trying to to, to keep doing. You know, we, the 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 overarching theme of today's episode is competing at the highest level, and you're at a company that's nine times on Inc. Five thousand. Now, for those of you listening, I, I will say it's easier for my company to be on the list in year four. Than it is, it, but it will be in year nine because the Inc. 5000 looks at not the current year we're in, but the three trailing years in revenue. And, you know, these I, I've always kind of poked at lists and stuff like that because it is easier in the beginning. Because if you have a kind of you're new in year one, so when we're if you get growth early, the yes. number looks it, big. And I have a big ad, admiration for, you know, I've spoken with several people that like, they're like years eight, nine, 10. That means you're competing at the highest level. What are some of the keys to continuing that growth? Or what have you done? What have you and the company done that's, you know, kept that moving upward? It is. And and this is a, a topic that uh, we take home at Propio. I mean, being uh, sometimes we see, like you're, you're saying, the first year, second year, you see like the number one to a thousand percent growth, two thousand percent growth. Right. Well, because you do the math, got like five hundred dollars of revenue or something. For, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. The minimum threshold is not that high that right. people think. I think it's one or two million. You, you 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 kind of get to that first threshold. But you're right. I mean, over time, it gets it gets harder, uh, but equally satisfying. So one thing that uh, most people think is because of my background speaking multiple languages, you know, I, I do understand what our clients go through. However, uh, everything about me and the way I approach the business is about competing at the highest level. So coming from Brazil, uh, having no background or track record in the United States, landed in Kansas City seven years ago and, and happened to 
find this amazing company that was very small at the time. Did We've, you do that after you arrived? Like yes. you showed up here and then, okay. Yeah, right. so I decided to leave the country, just pursue bigger dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I worked. You know, I that worked, is the American it, dream, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and, and I left with no plans. Uh, happened to meet my wife, which brought me to, to Kansas City. Got it. A happily married, four-year-old son. And uh, as most immigrants can relate, or, or startup or founders and entrepreneurs, couldn't get a job for a year. Uh, so went through all of that and landed in Propio and 7 million revenue, 10 people. And happily now, you know, we're going to go over 100, 130 uh, million now and being Crazy. CEO and partner for the past three years. Yeah, that's uh, a ton of growth, man. Like the 2022 Inc. 5000 has you in the three trailing years at 165%. I mean, that's, that's, yes. yeah, and, we're and once that. again, that's hard to do once your, your business is, has deep roots, you know, like I said, growth early can be, can be tough. And then, you know, in my book, million dollar bedroom, I, I wrote about the signal flare that, that success sends up that brings more competition to whatever you're doing. Like if you think you're the only person doing something, if it's worth doing, you won't be the only person doing it for long. And, and now with obviously with uh, realistically translation is centuries old. I mean, that's always, there's always been a need for that. Uh, you know, what has differentiated uh, Propio from anybody else that's, you know, doing, doing that. Like, yes, and, who yes. do, and who do you compete with? Yeah. So, so there's essentially, like you're saying, two categories, there's the blue horizon, right? The, if you want to find, start, start a new business with no competition, like you're saying one, two years later in this those economy, this find, world, yeah, those right, are hard yeah, to find. Yeah. All other business, ninety nine percent of the business, you're competing. Okay. You are in a you you are in a service in an industry and manufacturing, whatever it is, you're competing. So, and we used to be, and we still are, relatively small fish in the pond. So, which even get harder hmm. how to compete in those scenarios. So, we compete. So, for example, just to give an essence of competition here, the leaders in the market for us are companies with over seven hundred million in revenue. 30 years of existence. Uh, and so we have two, three companies that we compete against at that level. Just general translation companies though? Yeah. So the technical term is interpretation. Okay. Uh, interpretation, think of it, it's a translation, but verbally translation. So there's interpretation and there's translation. Uh, our focus is on the verbal uh, encounter. So it's on the interpretation side. Uh, and that's where we compete the most, but we are full suite uh, language services. So we do compete with, uh, you know, hundreds of companies, but the top three, five, they are organizations with hundreds of millions of funding and revenue. So to, to your question about well, what well, with that, you guys received a little along the way, I show that, you know, you guys are close to 30 million and, and publicly known funding. Well, that was uh 33 million was our revenue uh, that we closed last year. We did, uh, 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 we brought an investment firm a uh, little over a year ago. Uh, to essentially, most people think was for the you know the capital and the balance sheets and to help with other things, uh, but it was essentially to allow the the founder, the co-founder, to retire. So it was kind of a, a oh, recap. Owner liquidity. Owner liquidity. Yeah. The famous owner liquidity. But to me, uh, you know, the core differentiator back to, to to the question and what driving the the success that we're having, and I believe we're just starting. It it drives uh, by the people, and so the the type of talent that we hire type of culture we foster and how we see, I mean, we wake up every day thinking about competition. How can we do better? How can we be a better company? And that obsession led us to, to, to achieve this relative growth, but we see uh, in the sky's the limit for us. I mean, we just got started. Yeah. My company, I, we, we position ourselves and say this open, we are a premium service provider. Like 
when people will call us. And, and for those of you that are unaware, FullScale, go to fullscale.io. I've got 300 employees in the Philippines and we help com- tech companies build offshore development teams. And with that, you know, we, it takes us 30 applicants to find one person that we're, we might consider giving a job offer to. So one of the red flags when people call us is when they're saying, we're looking for cheap. That's not us. Like, and, I mean, it's still affordable, but that's relative. But the thing, we're, I think the big thing with our growth as well, and we were at seven over 700% was the quality of people. And, and, and a people-driven business, your people are your biggest asset. So right. if your people suck, then your business sucks. Right. That's probably and, and, the easiest way to say it. Right? And, and these times yeah. are one of the hardest times, especially in the United States. I mean, you have the great resignation. You have, you know, the, the inflation, the job or fear. That and, helped uh, my business. Yeah, it helped us as it well. Helped, because it helped our business component. a lot because we didn't have that problem overseas. Like, right. We've yes. got, but, but part of that is having the right people, treating them right. Yes. And, you know, also evolution and culture, because as a young company that grew really fast, like we'll be the first to admit that we didn't do everything right in year one and two, but coming back strong and getting it right and making, and, you know, there's, I don't know, we just care about our employees and they, they, they can tell. And yes. And that's that, really and, and, like the baseline thing for building. If you want to compete at the highest level, you have to have a, a team that people want to be on. Right. And, and a lot of people think that, I mean, hiring is just the first step of the challenge. But nurturing, oh, yeah. growing the people—that is where the, the the secret lies. And I have a, you know, that's not my own quote. It's probably from Steve Jobs. And you know, yeah. I, I like yeah. reading a lot of companies and how, how successful success leaves clues. And mm-hmm. uh, it says, "Experts leads experts." So we don't you know, at our company. We we like to. I like to say that uh, you know my role is to make Propio forever home for you, but. Knowing that if you decide to leave, you're you're worth five, ten times more because you yeah. come here to learn and to get yeah. better. So having that infrastructure, we've learned that too. That that um, the words out that we identify like elite people because that back to that signal flare and success. You know that I mean, people just, just they come and they come and well, they want to grab your talent. Yeah, and and they want to hang out with you, yeah. right? They want to be with you. They want to yeah. you know. Usually, you see the same traits. Uh, personality-wise, like the the you know competing, winning, getting better, learning every day, those are traits that you see. And and one of the things that I mean, from not having a specific back background or track record, uh, we we va- I personally valued my my old PhD, uh, poor, hungry, and driven. Uh, my my mission is to employ the best and make sure that we are growing and learning together. So if you studied Harvard, if you didn't study at all. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, so our company values different backgrounds. We have people from different countries. We have a global team. Uh, again, GPA is not even a thing. So that those are things that again, trying to bring back the take aside all that corporate policy that you know big corporations have. Like, oh, you have to sit three years here before you be promoted. Those little details don't exist in our. Company. Yeah, it doesn't in mine either. We're we're a performance and out based uh, an output based company. I don't care if you went to college. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, um, and neither do our clients. Right. I mean, meaning like they just care what you can do with right. your skills. And, you know, that's that's the thing you talk about, like foreign culture. You know, I, I, I'm assuming in Brazil, similar to the Philippines, like there's a in the Philippines, there's a you can really like here we have the term they say the haves and the have nots. There's a big gap and you can tell. And there's a, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of people over there that just going to college wasn't an option, even though it's super affordable. They needed to make money for their families. So we run into a lot of self-taught engineers that are pretty damn good. And you talk about PhD. 
Right. I mean, that that's it. And, and there's something to be said, you know, about that. I, I, you know, I dropped out of five colleges, so um, I'm kind of in that boat of, you know, like, Hey, I had to work my way through a lot of bullshit, you know, before I was an entrepreneur ended up having jobs that HR departments required MBAs for, but mm-hmm. I know I certainly didn't have one, but man, I had to take the long road to get it. And it felt really broken with that. So I'm assuming there's a lot of people that probably work in and around, uh, translation and you, you said interpretation. Yes. Interpretation. Um, I mean, that's probably you don't need a degree to do that. Do you? Right. No, yeah, you, no. Do, you can do it or you can't. I would feel like it's a pretty binary thing. Right. right. And the beauty of our business model is that uh, we work with the gig economy. So mm-hmm. working, working from home, if you're willing to do, we can train you. We can get you up to speed. We have the systems and platform in place. And on the corporate side, that's where we have around 200 employees. That's where we focus on the client services, sales, and technology is a big part of what we do. Uh, we most recently uh, opened a subsidiary in Mexico. So most people, uh, it's incredible what we can do in the world economy and kind of uh, the different cultures and tapping talent in wherever they are. So we're exploring that as well overseas now. So Mexico is our first office. So we have ambitions and uh, ideas on how to, to keep going that direction. So we very much related with your Philippines experience and working with it just just makes it you know, a more global company and uh, oh yeah what's important yeah. is the mindset we, we we're global citizens and it's unfortunately I talk to too many people that aren't and um, yeah I find that I always have to climb over this stigma that because people aren't from America that they'll do a, a worse job not right. true not right. true might even do a better job. I'd probably do a better job. Just, there's smart people everywhere. You just got to know where to find them. Yeah, yeah. And you got to keep them. So we, we use the acronym RARE. So we're, we specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining, and employing, which are all really important things because you can find the right people, but if you can't keep them on board, then, I mean, that the, you talk about that echo or like the things that you say success leaves, leaves clues. Well, it also, it, those, those are the kind of clues you need to look for too. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot more from probably from the people that are leaving and why uh, than the people that stayed on Sundays. And you just like some of it you can't avoid. I think one thing that you can count on as an employer, and I tell people this, I like, there's one fact you won't work here forever because you will eventually retire, die, or something else. It's just like there, that. So there's a finite nature to that. But you know, like, I, I don't know. I think that, that what, what's one of the things that, that you've heard on the way out that you might have taken into play later to improve? Yeah. So, I mean, we, most people, you know, it's, it's hard to, to imagine uh 10x growth, right. Going from seven, 10 million to a hundred, yeah. 130. Essentially the air, the goes through, stand up there. That's a got, hard, got, yeah. Yeah. Then, that's what, 200% uh, on 10 million is a 10 million growth. Not or, right. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It, it, it gets, and, and the most interesting thing is that you go through cycles and mm-hmm. as a CEO, entrepreneur, founder, the key to the game is knowing how to evolve because you see a lot of stories of uh, founder, days companies that get success up to a certain level and then oh i need an inve- a professional investment take me to the next level oh i need some help to scale or you can seek help inside as well so the key is how do we evolve the mindset of the team as we evolve so the, the type of people the employees that we used to have when we were you know seven ten millions uh ten million it it, it shifts it's different now the focus is different now some people have adapt other people left as a consequence. So we take uh, 
exit interviews. Like we learn lessons everywhere we can pay attention to. One of the things is during the way out, right? So during the way out, it could be towards, I mean, the culture is something that most people these days are asking questions about, uh, and there's no right and wrong. There's essentially uh, you know, a preference and a style. Our culture is to where we work together as a team. Uh, we like to learn, and we like to compete, and we want to grow. So if you're not interested in growth, whatever that might be in your mindset, it will be a little harder for, for you to fit in. Uh, but we learn a lot about how to be better managers and when you're growing, that means that you're hiring more people than you had the years before. So you have to work with, uh, you know, training, management, all those things are new territory for all of us. So, but at the same time, it brings excitement and it's kind of a, it's a refreshing view as well. And I think it's a competitive advantage. It's the first time doing it. So that way you're not biased. There's this uh, meme or whatever labeled image you want to call it that I'll see occasionally that's always stick with me. I've quoted this on the show before and it's, it says CEO, it says, we need to, we need, talking to a COO, says, we need to invest more money into training our people for their futures. The COO says, well, what happens if we train them and they leave? And the CEO says, well, what happens if we don't train them and they stay? And that, you know, I, ever since the first time I saw that, it really kind of stuck in my head, which that's a great point. And, it is. And, and, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to go about that. I want to talk a little bit more about that. But as a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Equipbed Auctions. That's an online marketplace dedicated to growing small auction businesses. They're solving problems and providing a fun re-commerce or liquidation shopping experience to valued bidders. Go check out their offerings and sign up at Equip hyphen bid.me forward slash startup. And look, you're not going to remember that. So just scroll down to the notes and click the link and it'll take you right to it. You know, one of the things that when it comes to a thing like a quit bid, I've noticed that over the years, my businesses just kind of pile up old stuff and any, you know, being able to liquidate that stuff, get rid of it, reduce that excess capacity or pull something useful out of it is is good is good. So when in doubt, list it out. And uh, I love the term re-commerce. I, I can't say I've heard that before, but I love it. Yeah. Why not? Right. Okay. So I, I, I'm into all the stuff you're saying here and you, 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 I, it always takes like, it, I, I'm a competitive, serious person on many days and I can tell you are too. It kind of takes one to know one, um, which isn't always great for a, a lot because a lot of people aren't competitive you know right. and, and some of that how do you do, what how do you do you take that part of your personality and try to uh, uh spread that out across the organization i do but in some cases i also need to know where to back it off right and it's it, sometimes it's seen as being uh, mixed by being aggressive or opinionated and it comes with those negative yeah. adjectives yeah. right but at the end of the day i believe it you being you yourself. So if you if you're speaking for heart, truth, people see through that. Uh, of course, our approach is more, uh, you know, let's say, not not I'm trying to find a word not aggressive per se, but it's very direct to the point. So we want to know how to get better how to compete. And to do that, you need to be able to to communicate effectively, we, we don't, you know, spend time worry about, you know, what's on factors that we don't control. So that those are things that we like to to focus when when I come to work and we work with each other and uh, so we're very excited to to kind of keep doing that and hopefully you know in Kansas City uh, we can continue to attract the talent and worldwide so if you're if you're curious about what we do uh, you know f- 
check our website, propil-ls.com. And we're excited to, to, to show you more about what we do. And there's a link for that in the show notes, which is so much easier to just scroll down and click it. Right. That's yes. why it's there, people. Yes. That's why it's there. All right. So um, you mentioned that there's 40 million people in the U.S. that that have, say, that don't have the language skills to communicate regularly. Is that mainly Spanish? Yeah. So 70% in average is Spanish. What's uh, next? Uh, next, depends on where you're at. So it's okay. pretty even after that. Of course, if you go to like, you know, East Coast, West Coast, and depend on where, it's usually driven by historic migrations. And of course, in the West Coast, you see more of Asian languages. Uh, on the East Coast, you see more Eastern Europe, like Russian. Right. Uh, in the Midwest, you see a lot of African languages. So the mix is, hmm. is pretty similar after, but Spanish, no doubt, is, is the... And one thing that's kind of intuitive is that you'd think that these days people can learn, right? You go online and you learn English and it's no big deal. Well... You have to think that those families, they live together, they work together. Usually they come in, in pockets. Yeah. So so the English is, is a real barrier. Uh, so to, to be able to to effectively communicate and in a healthcare setting, it's, it's very critical uh, to do that. So we do, so again, to, to grow and be competitive, there's the corporate nature of, you know, how to recruit, hire, maintain, train your talent. But there's also, if you're in a service business, and that is my, my message to all the service uh, company CEOs out there, is your service has to have the highest quality you can put in front of your clients. Uh, that is a must because it doesn't matter the wrapper you put around, the technology, the software. The, if the service is not up there, clients will not shop from you. And that's client-centric is always uh, there with us. Of course, we look very internally how can we be better and nurture the team, but looking at what the client needs from a fresh perspective and delivering and over-delivering that, that's how at least in our case, we're able to, to grow that fast. Yeah, that's so we use the term world-class a lot. This We just started doing that like early in the company. And you know, when we were looking at what we're doing, we're like, what do we need to do to have a world-class offering, to have a world-class platform, to have a world-class culture? And, and look, you don't come out of the box and do that right away. It's something to strive for and it's a standard to hold things to. And, you know, and some people have said to me, they're like, yeah, but is that realistic? Yeah, it is. It is realistic. I mean, and, and the thing is, is if you're doing, if you're trying to give a world-class service offering or product or any of that, I mean, that, I mean, that's a good thing. Cause look, if your clients, users, buyers, what subscribers, whatever you call, whoever drives your revenue, if they're not happy and they think that your service is not world-class, then they're going to go, they're either going to quit we can go find someone else that has a little more commitment to doing things well. And, and so much of that just starts, in my opinion, with caring, like taking a little bit of pride. Like yeah. at my business, our people literally join our clients' teams on a full-time basis. So part of what we do with that is internally, those folks will identify as being on the XYZ company team. And like we get, we get them saying that more than they work for full scale because it because uh, we want them to be a part of that squad. We want them to take ownership and, and we really push that. And, you know, and then here's the thing as a business owner, you eventually get to a point where you have to resolve the fact that no one's going to care about your business as much as you do. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you should have employees that don't care. Right. It's the opposite, right? So it starts with the mindset. Uh, so we don't, we don't pretend we're perfect. So we don't sell services that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a human services. It, it is tech enabled. Same here. Uh, it is Same always here. uptime, but we don't promise perfection. Yeah. And I think it's that, 
but starts from a place of uh, confidence and having your mindset saying that you're better. I have a I have an internal saying uh, saying that it takes the same time to run Amazon that it takes to run Propio. So you got I I think that way. And I both like companies it. started with one person somewhere. With, with one person, yeah. every everybody started in the same place and uh, goes through the same phases. So it's a matter of how much you think you can get to, how motivated you and your team is. Uh, but then of the day is giving that culture of environment and making mistakes. I mean, you have to encourage people to make mistakes. And that's another area that uh, a lot of people, you know, feel bad. I have a, I have an approach to, I don't necessarily care about the mistake. I care about how quick you recover. Yeah. So, I, I say it's not a mistake. It, it, it's only a mistake until you fixed it. Yes. So how yeah. quickly can we fix? And, and in tech, that's a big thing because you're going to, you're going to fail. I mean, oh, the nature of software developers is literally like that. It's everything. It's about releases, I mean, yeah. it's literally like experiment, 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 boom, that worked. And yeah. then, oh, maybe we can do it a little better. You can do it a little better. And, and yes. we, we use a term called critical thinking that we think is, is really a key ingredient. And that's that encouragement that our team uh, isn't afraid to speak up. And say, cause like they're experts, it's really hard to get a job at full scale. So we like literally within five minutes of them becoming an employee, they're beginning to get licensed to give their opinion and express, you know, critical thinking is not about always about just being critical and mean. That's not actually never about that. It's about uh, having it. It's about speaking up and saying, Hey, I know this is what you want us to build, but this is going to fall over after we build it. And you know, now someone that doesn't care, doesn't engage in critical thinking. And unfortunately that for so many people in the industry that we service, that's the kind of service providers they've had. And we try to get that. And that is my biggest hill to climb over. Especially in yeah. the software delivery. Yeah. Right? Oh, so yeah. Every, every, everyone's today. had an offshore team or heard someone or whatever that did a shitty job. Right. And, and, and now there's 7 billion people on the planet, people. Like there, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. Like you and, can't and just be, disqualify the whole world based on one it, bad experience. So much of that is related to communication and critical thinking. They travel in the same car together. Yes. And and to be honest, I mean, the ratio is not fair. Out of 100% of the 7 billion people there, right? uh, 10% are going to be the the great ones. And it is is a fact. Maybe maybe less. Maybe even, right? I mean, uh, it's... We're we're a top 3% kind of company. That's really kind of just where the math shakes out for us. And uh, so how many different company or countries do you have employees or, or, or gig people in? Yeah. So we do have, uh, called the, the contract, uh, world, right? The gig economy. We have presence in over 30 countries. Uh, we have employment now, our headquarters here in Kansas, we have offices in Ohio, Minnesota, and now Oregon. Uh, and we just opened a subsidiary in Guadalajara, Mexico. That's where our employees, but we do have remote employees throughout the United States, Offshore, it's uh, we have a team as well that's that's legally they're not W twos because it's a mm-hmm. United States concept, but they're part of our corporate team. Mm-hmm. So we have a mix, but we're in thirty countries today and looking to grow that. So, and you talk about when we get into competing at the highest level. You know, I always tell entrepreneurs that want me to talk to them about an idea they have, and I say, look, your goal should be to build something bigger than you. And you know, without that, you've just created a job for yourself, not necessarily a company. Uh, now, if you really want to, if we're talking about competing at the highest level, I mean, this is a global league, people. It's not just in your hometown. It's not just Kansas City or the United States. Like things get international and global and technology and the internet have shrank the size of the world. Like it doesn't like 
so many in, in technology, so many people are remote, which once again, like COVID kind of did me a favor in that regard because it yes. pushed more people to adopt a remote mentality. But with that, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, I'm not international. And I had to learn a lot about culture, like other, like literally customs and culture in like the Philippines primarily. And we've had, we have an employee in Belarus and have had, you know, we've looked at other, at other stuff, but as I mentioned to you before we recorded, like we have plans on expanding outside the Philippines, but we, I'll tell you what, our approach pattern to go, cause every country has got something different about it. And, and some of the things like especially in Asian culture. And I fortunately worked for a Japanese company for a while. So I learned that they literally put us through training to make us not look like assholes in front of our Japanese counterparts. I mean, that's really like the best way to say it because there were like little weird mannerisms and stuff like that. Now, mm. for those of you listening, you don't know this. I'm 6'4", 255 pounds. So I can be intimidating and, and had to learn to kind of tone some of that down. What are some things that, uh, that you had to figure out in a hurry or, or were surprised to learn about, you know, cause obviously you're competing on a global scale. So you got to get good at a lot of different places and things. I mean, what are a couple of things that, will you get any fun stories or interesting stuff there? Yes. I mean, uh, we always get that story about, you know, going in and, uh, I still remember the, the first time I traveled to, to pitch to, to a client. Right. And then, you, they come in and you know, the big companies come with like 10, 15, 20 people yeah, yeah. and with their army and I'm the, like their there pitch. By my, I'm there by myself. And then yeah. you're there by yourself. You don't look like them. And, uh, you know, you're kind of different. Uh, you're trying to create a kind of a disruption in your industry. So you're kind of a push for disruption. And uh, why do you need to bring 15 people to the meeting? Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're going about talking about, you know, <laughs> being, being efficient in time yes, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. I mean, meetings, you know, yeah. kill productivity and we all know that. And, uh, but so we had to, the, the, the key to me has always been paying attention to the audience you're speaking to, uh, because in our company, for example, we are dealing with, uh, the most various buyers. So you might be talking sometimes to procurement, procurement wants to do the math, wants to do how much money they're saving. So you need to be able to, to do math with them. Uh, sometimes you're talking to the, to the diversity, to the language uh, division inside of a, a health system. So now you need to talk about how it's your approach to, to, to equity, to, to the languages. How do you connect fast? How do you improve that experience? So being able to read your audience and then also being able to communicate differently. Because even though it's coming from you, there's still different messages that you can still send across. So that's one thing that I always pay attention to. And by the way, the, the clouds just parted and I have a clear vision as to how your company grew so quickly. Because that's like a remarkably, remarkably sophisticated way to look at selling. Then I, I'm, I'm a top salesperson. I'm pretty open about that. That has a lot to do with how fast our company grew. But under, but you said something key there that I really want people to pay attention to. Marco's pointing out that he understands that there are different people that are receiving the message. They look at the value proposition differently. And then on some level, have a different personality style. Like an accountant is usually not the same personality style as a CEO or a, procur a procurement person and all that. And you talk about the adaptation to different cultures or people. And I actually wrote a chat. I have a whole section in my book, Balance Me, about that. Because at one point in my life, I was struggling to sell to people that weren't similar to me in personality. So I was just scaring them away. Right. So I had to learn. I had to learn how to talk a little bit. Yeah. And, 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 or, and, I, or understand that 
the, the type B personality. You can see my tone changed a little bit. I'm not being fake or disingenuous. I'm just trying not to freak you out. Right. You and know, I'm seeing some, that yeah. you're, you're matching my, my the speed here, the yes. conversation, right? So we're both well, on the same and, energy yeah. level. And then the, the people that are the type A personality like me, like you can sell something to me pretty quickly. If you understand what I'm looking for and you present a solution and you ask me to buy it. I mean, you could literally, I've bought a lot of stuff I didn't even need because I was so excited that someone, that a salesperson actually asked me to buy something. Like you can increase the sales at your company by literally creating a culture that asks for the sale. Right. There, there's like, so do much. You, do you want to go ahead and get this? Can we yeah. write this up? When do you want delivery? Yes. These are all like million dollar closing lines that work. And like right. and now, now with the type B buyer. And that's someone that's not our personality stuff. They want a little more of the facts. They're going to want, they're going to want the stats or the people that are going to look under the hood of the car. Right. And there's so yeah. much to unpack on that topic. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And, it's like a whole, and, no, like we could go into that. Yeah. For and, hours and, and for and example, days. I'm, I'm very introspective. I mean, I had, you know, speaking issues. I mean, you put me in the public in the stage and I will choke. I mean, I, really? I'm, I'm not comfortable. Okay. And so not anymore as much well, as I used well to in the beginning. you're doing in front of maybe the biggest audience you've now spoken in front probably. of, so congratulations. Probably, no, that's yeah. probably all credit to you to make that. I should not have told you that. I shouldn't have told you that. Yeah, no, it's all credit to you. I said that to a couple of people, and I can just see that I freaked them out. So that's oh, really? good. I didn't get that look back. No, no, that's all credit to you. You make it a very inviting. The, and the topic, I mean, it's, it's all about, on the sales side, most people think that because I'm the CEO, I'm out there, I'm out there selling wine and dining. should be the best salesperson. Uh, CEO should be the best salesperson at the company. Right. I mean, it doesn't it, mean you do all the same stuff the salespeople right. do, but that's what I'm every, here for. Every, every yeah. person, every business yeah. owner is a salesperson, mm-hmm. uh, regardless. Now, if you ask me in the five years that I've been with the company, if I spoke with five clients, was a lot. So at the same time, you don't have to be the one on the front line selling. However, if you approach your company, you need to be prepared and explain because that fluid that goes to the team and the team is able to execute on that. So that those are things that we when we when we approach a situation and I, I like to talk to other uh, and we do a lot of M and A and and looking to acquire more companies as well. And that's something I'm very passionate about when I'm I'm going talking to other business owners and I say. Focus on two things. I mean, it's not only the revenue, it's not only the profits. It's possible to have both. Now, you have to focus on your bottom, your top line. If you're not growing your business, you're dying. And there's no such thing as, you know, stagnation. You have to grow. Uh, and to grow, the approach that we take with the knowing the audience, the audience and the value proposition, all those things, to me, ask yourself the question, why not Propio? Why not full scale? Why not you? Uh, if you can answer why not, you'll get there. So that's, that's my mindset. So when I'm coming and talking to people, you know, why do, you know, in our industry is relatively commoditized, right? I mean, interpreting services, translation services, if, if you Google, you're probably going to hit those top three companies there first in your, your Google ad list there. And then you're going to find the, the little ones like, you know, the competing and then I'll, the ones that trying to disrupt and get like Propio. Why, why Propio? My question to you is why not? And then you go in and you deep dive where you get the best service, you get the best value, you get the best access, the best technology. And they're like, oh, wow. And then in the end, there's no reason why not to. So that's kind of how I approach. But focusing top line is important. Now, you, we, we, we touched a couple of topics here earlier. In, there are two differences. One is idea. The other one is execution. Uh, well, ideas, ideas are everywhere. Ideas are cheap and like, like fr- flow freely. And they can be purchased with brass and fool's gold. Right. Uh, execution is everything. Is is it? That's is the it. currency that successful and and 
people that are competing at the highest level. And that's a challenge because it's so easy to say it. All right, all we got to do is execute. Yeah. Okay. Now go do it. Yes. And deliver people say that shit all day and they don't ever do anything no. about it. So on the idea side, yeah. what I try to do is you got to pay attention at other people's ideas. So you need to bring your team mm-hmm. to the table. Have your idea. Critical thinking. It's critical thinking. Bring ideas. Bring yeah. ideas. Don't just yeah. sit there and, and listen. I want to see what you're thinking yeah. because you're in the trenches. You can help me here. And an idea that you think it's bad might sparkle an idea on my side that can be the, the most brilliant idea. So we encourage a lot of ideation in our company. Now, all the focus is execution. So if you think about you know growing nine times on Inc. 5000 and we just made it to the Champions Business KC, hopefully we're going to be back next year. Uh, we put our budget is like over 100% growth organically year over year. And then people look at me like, Marco. Who, I put those kind of budgets out and people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what, we can totally do this. Yeah. Can you do this? Do you want to? We don't need to do that. I mean, people be happy with 50% growth. I said, no, it's possible. And then actually yeah. pushing to well, execute. You said, so, you said so most people are like searching for the why. And I do that a lot. I'm the why not. Right. Like, how are we going to, we're going to double and grow. Yeah, why not? Why what not? else do you have to do? Right. And so, <laughs> so it's not only putting out there like a dream goal, but it's actually achieving that. And that's what has been the focus, but you can only do that. Another thing that's, that's hard as you scale and to compete, hiring, training, maintaining, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. So if you have to, if you think about going from 10 million to 130 plus 150 plus next year, over 200, uh, you'd think that you have to hire an army of people. And in our company is the opposite. We don't have to hire. We hire the best and we don't put ourselves pressure against the wall to hire because we just need to show that we have more people to do. So the focus is how can we execute and reduce manual tasks to make your mm-hmm. great team yeah. better? Because if you're great- That's what our platform's all about because the th- people don't want to do those jobs anyway. A lot of the manual, just repetition stuff. And the reason that software companies get the valuation they get is software shows up to work every day. And it's almost the same concept as an investor, it right, right? It's going to work all day, every day. It doesn't need the day off on Christmas. It doesn't have a baby. It's the same it doesn't concept. get COVID. No. You it, know, like, I mean, there's things that can go wrong with that and people need to keep it running, but that's the definition of scalable for many terms. And I, I liked your approach of looking at it. It's just some, that, uh, you know, businesses like ours, and we're both tech-enabled services, uh, are hard to scale because there's a, peop- a people component to it, no matter what. Like eventually you do run into the max. You can't, like with a server, you can just dial that thing up more and more and more and more, hopefully, if, you, if, it's, if it's able to handle it. Uh, people are a little different. And then, you know, as I know you're aware, because if you're hiring top people, there's a very non-linear nature to when they actually are found. Like I might go, I might send 10 job offers out in a week and not send one out for a couple of weeks after that. We are remarkably disciplined when it comes to like, it, it needs to be in the strike zone and it is a small strike zone. I mean, it really is. And, and the key is, is, and it's oftentimes I think that businesses that are growing quickly and that's, so people sometimes ask us what we sell at full scale. And I say peace of mind. Because it's a peace of mind knowing that you we that we went through the twenty nine people you didn't want to hire to find the one that you did right and, and then a lot of it too is also things like people are really sketchy about their intellectual property and people that aren't in the U S and rightfully so because you don't you hire someone in Bangladesh and they steal your 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 intellectual property what's your recourse there and don't let some of these marketplaces tell you that you're covered because you're not yeah but if you yeah. think about Amazon Microsoft all those companies have 
subsidiaries. They, yeah. they, they all work with, yeah. and they have the Global biggest citizens. IPs there, there, there is. That's actually what drives me nuts about towns like Kansas City, to be honest, is there's a lot of people in ecosystems that want to put pressure on businesses like ours or others to only hire people locally. And that's not always possible. Like, I mean, it's just not. Like, there's 9,000 open IT jobs in Kansas City today. Right. Uh, okay. So if those people don't exist, that means if you one company hires another one, they just open that job that was open. It's a zero sum game. And yes. it's, it's, it's a challenge. So nope. before before we get to the our, our outro here, once again, this episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by our friends over at Equip Bed Auctions. There's a link in the show notes for that. Lots of great stuff there. You can join, sell, earn. It's uh, it's that easy with Equip, Equip Bed Auctions. So become an affiliate, sort of grow your independent business by visiting equip-bid.com. Me forward slash startup. Now, look, that's a lot. There's an there's a link in the show notes because can you I, I, I would forget that. But I do remember Matt saying link in the show notes. So you can go down and click that even easier. You can go over to startuphustle.xyz and click on our partners page. There's a link there, too. And you'll find a lot of great stuff. Uh, you also see Equipbit's founder, Andy, has everything set up for you to make money. So go build your business within a business. Uh, I love, I love business in a box kind of stuff. Like if you've got like, I, we always say buyer build, you don't have to build everything. Like there's a lot of stuff you can kind of buy the franchise and buy the stuff and buy the framework and, and get moving. And there's a lot to be said with that. Now, uh, unfortunately we are running out of time, uh, in today with today's episode. And once again, with me today, Marco Cis, who is the CEO and partner at Propio language services. Man, you guys are doing some, I'm impressed like this, this kind of growth. And I say that cause you know, we do, do, we'll do 10 million in revenue next year. And like, realistically, like a good year would be to grow 30%. And if you, so like they, they say triple, triple, double, double, if you can pull that off in sequence, like you're in elite categories, but some of the, I mean, you guys are on here nine times in a row. So you've done that. Was it, what was it? Ice cube that said uh, I messed around and got a triple double. I think you, I think you've done it, man. So on our way out, I mean, what's a, what's a few words of wisdom or even anything that you might've meant to say, but didn't. Yes, I mean, to me, it's, uh, you know, on the topic, competition and entrepreneur founder, focus on execution and uh, dream big, but don't don't lose sight of uh, what what you're actually doing it. Don't be distracted. And, uh, you know, we talked about remote and offshore positions. Uh, we have, I'm, I'm very proud to be in Kansas City in the Midwest, and I want to develop local economy and, and bring the talent in-house. So, so if you're local, if you're around or the country check us out we have several positions open many more to open next year we're going to double triple we want to make a mark in kansas city and, and you start can in find those States. i'm assuming at the company side which yes. we have a link for yes linkedin notes. yes linkedin and company side we have all that in there and uh for the next two three months we're putting together a plan for next year i mean we're going to double triple next year alone so we want to get up there to i, I believe we're going to get to the top 100 private business in kansas city uh list uh, next year so we we that's kind of what drives us i mean we want to be a four first here in the Midwest and second in the United States and hopefully globally. So this will make everyone laugh. Can you attempt to teach me how to say thanks for listening to Startup Hustle in Portuguese? Yeah, so obrigado por... Obrigado? Yes, obrigado por escutar. Por es, escutar. Escutar. Startup. Hustle. Startup Hustle. Hey, yes. that's the best part. Right. Yes. I, you know, I am, I am admittedly not a linguist, so I have a appreciation. My wife's been learning French and 
Um, I'm just, man, I'm just really lucky that a lot of places that I go, they already speak English or I would be that lost guy. And I am sometimes I, on the way to the Philippines is, is remarkably fluent in English. And that's what's made it very compatible with us and our clients. Um, I think some of the things that uh, stood out about today's episode that I want to encourage everyone to, to, you know, note is the creation of a winning culture and competing at the top level starts with the people in charge and founders. And that's why um, if you've listened to this show for a long time, you've heard us talk or me talk with venture companies or whatever, and they invest in founders first and then companies. And there's a reason for that because you set the tone, you set the pace. And, you know, at one point, one of the proudest moments that I had at, when we had about 200 employees, this is just before COVID, and we did an internal survey and uh, it, it, we asked, why did you come to work at full scale? And the most popular answer was Matt. And I was like, wow. And it was so humbling, but it really like invigorated me to like, I felt adopted by the people that were saying we adopted them as, you know, into our family. And, and I, and, but, but with that, I think that there's that had, you know, then the pandemic comes and then that was the time as a leader that, that, that those deposits, the social capital that you make in your own company really mattered. And um, so you can do that by leading training and then just having people know that you hear what they're saying. Yes. And, and that sometimes doesn't always mean you have to have the answers. Like I sat, I was in the Philippines when COVID really broke out and I just stand in front of almost 200 people and say, you know, like we probably should have been socially distanced at that point. We didn't even know, but I had to say, Hey, look, I don't have all the answers. I haven't done this before. We are sailing into some unknown waters and just know that we're going to make decisions that are in all of our best interests, not just mine or the companies. And, you know, years later that, that, that feedback still comes back about the caring side. So, you know, if you want to compete at the highest levels, you got to have a team and an organization, hopefully a product that people really just want to be involved with. Like, and they're excited about that because you're going to find when you go to recruit people that the number one reason that they want to leave is they don't feel heard or they don't feel engaged with what they're doing. They're just, they feel like a cog in a machine and that's not really the right way to do it. So once again, man, thanks uh, to your success. And I would love to say that I remembered how to say thanks Nobody for listening. Yeah. yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll get to work on that or I'm just going to use Propio and then I'll get I'll be able to get someone in to translate this. I like that. I'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.